All right, everybody, welcome to episode 39 of Toonsmate. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, today we are talking about cassettes. Yeah, it's, it's been in the news a lot lately, right? So uh, Lou Ottens, who uh, is the guy who's credited with inventing the cassette tape. Now, of course, you know, this is all kind of uh, contextual. He worked, he kind of led a team, right? He worked for Phillips back in the day, like 70 years ago. And, and he, he kind of was uh, led the team. He was a, a member of a, a group of people who, who built this, but he's considered the inventor of the cassette tape. I uh, passed away on March 6th. And so then, you know, there's been this sort of uh, new, you know, part of the news cycle and the discussion cycle has been remembering cassette tapes. Yeah. Yeah. And I started making me think about cassette tapes and that's how I started out. I mean, I had, I bet it was similar. I mean, there was a song on the radio and you, you take out your cassette tape and you you try to wait to the DJ, you know, yeah. did the intro, uh, you know, at 10, and, you know, you know, in, in radio, they call it cutting the post is when you stop right before the lead singer starts. So yeah. most of my mixtapes would start like right when the lead singer would start as the DJ was introducing it. So I had a string of those and then finally I saved enough money to go buy the, you know, the 45s, but that's how I began my love for music. Yeah. Yeah. It's not how I, I began. I, it was right there. It was formative. I, in, uh, I always talk about that. I mean, while I was interested in, in music before then, 1987 is my year that, that I got into pop music. That was the, that summer of 87. I started watching dial MTV listening to pop music, started listening to Rick D's weekly top 40. And then by a year later, it morphed to American top 40 with Casey Kasem, summer 87. And by that fall, or uh, I had, I still have some of them. I think I had this certain Memorex tape that I bought that I liked and it had uh, like pink and teal colors on it and everything. And by like probably September, October, I think probably September, I was doing exactly what you're talking. I'd listen to um, to Rick D's Weekly Top 40, and I would be listening when you know a certain song was coming on. I'd be listening. What I'd actually do a lot of times was I would listen to it on one station on like Friday night, so I knew what the order of songs was. So then, when I listen on another station on Sunday morning. I knew when to expect particular songs or maybe some, I think I even went at one point there was one station played it earlier on Saturday and another one later. Cause I remember in the, that Christmas time, he even played like a novelty song that was, I saw daddy kissing Santa Claus and I heard it and I was like, I want that. So I listened to it the other time. So I, you know, cause I knew exactly when it was. And so, so I have kind of the opposite of you. I have all these tapes where I actually have, Rick D's and then later Casey Kasem's voice on as part of the tape because I didn't want to miss a moment, you know, a note of the song. So I didn't just wait until the, the voice came in. I was, well, I'm going to take Rick D's in there. And so it actually created for part of the experience. But you're right. That was formative to my, my development of my interest in pop music was taping songs off of the radio and specifically off of the top 40 uh, countdown. Yeah. I mean, cassettes were so much a part of musical exploration even just having cassette and humming a song into it or just experimenting with mm -hmm. trying to fit as many songs you can on one side and then of course the evolution of a playlist 
I mean, mixtapes. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it yep. was about. I mean, you, you had to make a mixtape and that was taking all the songs you had already and trying to fit them on a tape in an order that meant something to you. And I always remember the first rule of a good mixtape is you had to kick off with a good song. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. It was, I mean, there was an art to it, right? This idea that you picking songs you liked and you had, so first of all, you had to find the right mix of songs. Second of all, you had to time it right. I mean, I can't remember how many times I would look at a tape and be like, okay, you know, I, how much time do I have left on that tape? I bet, I guess I have three minutes and 40 seconds, you know, three, well, probably not that exact, but I'd be like, I guess I got three to four minutes on there. Can I get one more song? Okay. What's a slow, you know, what's a, a quicker song that's going to be over, you know, so I'm not going to be cutting off at the end. So, you, so you're, you're dealing with one, the right mix of songs, B, timing it right. And then C, not only the right mix of songs, but the right order. And so you're right. You know, you want something that kicks it off well. You want a good flow from one song to the next, right? So mm -hmm. that, you know, you don't radically change the emotional response in a way that kind of ruins the mood. You want it to, to you want, just like an album has to flow, your mixtape had to flow. Yeah. And the one thing I learned, and I don't know if this happened to you, Ray, but I would make the perfect mixtape and I'd have it in the cassette deck and somebody somewhere would hit record and oh. record over it. So you'd be playing it later on. You're like, yeah, jamming. And then all of a sudden you get this little, you know, hey, what's that? you know, someone would be talking and then it would come back. So I had to start like punching out the tops of the set yep. tapes yep. to make sure <laughs> that this was my final mix. And please do not record over this again. <laughs> That's exactly what came to As soon as you started, I literally thought of, well, I learned the answer to that real quick, and that was to pop out the top. And then, but then, of course, you would learn how, you know, if you ever needed to re-record over, you would learn how to put tape over that. Right. You know, enough tape, enough uh, scotch tape over that so that it could kind of reform that barrier so that, that that little thing could not go down so it could record. Yeah, I mean, that's part of, I mean, another whole practice that came into this was art of um, figuring out how to make your tape not uh, unable to be recorded over yes and that was a, a key learning when i was in college you know i had all those cassette singles so very much like you i'd go out and i'd buy the cassette single because one they're pretty cheap and yep. two a lot of times they had like a remix or something on the back so you would get a lot of bang for your buck when you would purchase a cassette but then you'd have to figure out, okay, how can I put these all on one cassette? Because I don't want to haul around <laughs> 50 cassettes. So then I can put them on a couple cassettes. But if someone requests a song and it's like right in the middle of your cassette, you have to fast forward all the way to that song. And you got to keep listening. And you know you only have like a minute left on the one that's playing and you're trying to get to the next one. So the yeah. art always was, how do I get to the next one? Be ready while you're DJing. But luckily you wouldn't mess it up because you had you, you had the tape indented. So there's no way you can record over it yourself. So it was always right. just this massive race of trying to get to the end and hoping that you don't splice the tape or the, the cassette doesn't start spiraling out of control because you ruined it because you were going too oh, fast. Yeah. yeah. Well, or, or that, so two other tricks that you learned there, right? So the one thing I loved about those Memorex tapes was that they were clear 
so you could see, you know because a lot of the earlier tapes i mean they were they were they were solid you could they were opaque you couldn't see into them but the you know memorex and then other companies started making these tapes where you could actually see the tape in there so you could watch it for where you, you know you kind of had a a rough idea of where that song was based off of how much was on the left side and how much was on the right side right and then the other thing that you learned how to do was how to hit have play on some at least some tape recorders you could do and tape players you could do this you'd have you'd, you'd keep play down and you could hold down fast forward in a way so you would hear this right this the sound there you could hear for when the gap between the two songs came up you would learn how to listen for that and then know okay you know this is two songs away so i got to listen for the first gap and then listen for the next gap and then i'm there and then you would play the very beginning to make sure you got it and then you would take, you know, you would you would play the beginning, make sure you got it. You would rewind just a little bit, and then you'd listen for that note. And as soon as you heard that note, you'd, you'd you know, you'd tap down to stop it, and you'd take your pencil and curve it back just a little tiny bit, right, <laughs> to get it to exactly where you wanted it. And that was how you cued these things up. And the sound quality, I mean, it was okay. I mean, you could definitely tell it was a cassette. I mean, once CDs right. came out, it was like, yeah, it was pretty much yeah. night and day. And a lot of times I started taking albums and transferring them to cassettes. So then on the yep. cassette, you hear the staticky album, you know, going around, you know, as you're transferring it. So it, it, it was a process, I mean, to get the music on the cassette. And then once you got it on the cassette, you had to make sure, like you said, to leave those gaps. Because I made that mistake a couple times where I didn't leave gaps. I was trying to be, you know, oh, I'm going to make the perfect mix. And when that song ends, I'm starting immediately kind of thing. <laughs> and I try to figure out a way to do that. And I realized, no, don't do that. Leave the gap. Because even if you're listening to it, you may go, well, you know, actually, that was a bad decision to put that third song there. I just I want to go over the third <laughs> song. <laughs> But I did like when a cassette hit the end and it would automatically flip to the other side. That was pretty cool. Yeah, when you had so you know, originally you couldn't, you know, some tape recorders couldn't do that, but then they came out with the technology that could do that for you, right? Especially in your car. Well, and that's that's an important part of this, right? So because like you said, you'd have an album and you wanted it on tape. Now, of course, cassette tapes, I mean, they run off the same technology as eight tracks from the 70s, right? It's, it's still magnetic tape going through there. But, you know, the 8-track never really took off in the way the cassette did. Uh, the cassette was was more um, uh, convenient and smaller. And, you know, you could play it both in your car and then in your carry-around device, whether that was a boombox. Or, you know, the, the other thing that's really significant here is, is the Walkman. Well, the Walkman is part of this, too. Uh-huh. Because the thing that the cassette tape made available was you know, you can't walk around carrying vinyl. So, the, you know, my the beginnings of my musical experience were buying albums and listening to my dad's albums. Now, when I was finally buying music, it was the 80s and it was cassettes and that's what I bought. Um, but the first things I ever got were um, a birthday present I got where I got the Kiss solo albums and Love Gun all on vinyl. So I actually, you know, my first actual music that I owned was on vinyl. But after that, everything I bought was cassette. But that's the thing, right? You couldn't carry a record player around with you, and you couldn't carry technology that, that did that, and you couldn't have it in your car, right? I mean, there are devices out there to, to play a record in a car, 
but it's it's incredibly difficult because you know every bump can basically kill the experience and so the cassette made that viable now you could actually take your music and put it in your car and play it and the walkman was another part of this right so in the early 80s the sony walkman comes out and so today people think about this in terms of you know their ipod or you know whatever now that you know they carry around whatever device that they have that they listen to music on well that all started with the Walkman in the early 1980s and the very same conversations that, that have gone on in the last uh, 15, 20 years about, you know, people listen to their own music with their pods in and, and it's make you know, and there's one side that says it's making everybody alienated from one another because people go out in public and they don't talk to one another because everybody's doing their own thing. And the other side that says, no, it's making everybody more social because you don't have to stay in your home to listen to your music, you can take it out into public. And so therefore we can do both things at once. All of those conversations, that very exact same discussion happened 40 years, exactly 40 years ago when the Walkman came out. And there were people who cried against this and said, oh my God, this is horrible because people are now going to be standing on the subway and walking down the street and they're just going to be listening to their music and they're going to walk in front of cars and they're not going to socialize with one another and we're all society's going to go to hell in a handbasket you know all all that stuff right and then there was the other side that said no you know the walkman's going to make it so that people can socialize we're going to be able to take our music out you don't have to just sit in your own house to listen to your music and so this that was part of the point of the cassette was that it made music transferable you could walk around you could drive around with your music in a way that you couldn't before and you could just take that cassette and then you could go back home and just play your cassette right back at home. And you had it all right there in one cassette, which, of course, then leads to your mixtape, because what you wanted to do is put all the stuff that you like the best, the song from the, you know, the song from Boston that you like the best and the song from Journey that you like the best and the song from Michael Jackson that you like the best. And right. You want to stick that all on there and put it on one thing that you could carry around with you everywhere you went. And that's what the cassette did. Yeah. And the same argument happens today with, well, all everybody listens to is singles. What happened to albums? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I had cassette singles and I had the album. And what I loved about it was that there were times where I'd be like, you know, actually, I like side B better than side A. <laughs> and so I would, you know, I'd always, I would know by looking at cassette, oh, yeah, I got to rewind this whole thing because I don't want to listen to side A. I just want to listen to side right. B or vice versa. Right. Most of the time right. it was side A most artists put follow the playlist method like we're gonna start out but like Def Leppard hysteria yep. you just listen to both sides I mean yep. I can right now I can tell you I know what the song on side B was on hysteria and I wore that cassette out I think I had to buy that twice and I remember another album I had to buy twice I think it was 5150 and I told this story on yep. tunes mate that at my first gig ever it was bitten half. 5150 yep. because I don't like Van Hagar. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I got to save up more paper route money to go buy another 5150. <laughs> and I'm trying to think another out. I, I think I had to buy another. We talked about this in a, a former podcast, Dragnet, the soundtrack. I love oh, that, yeah. that Tom Hanks, Dan Aykroyd yep. rap. And yep. I lost the cassette somewhere i think i was walking and it fell out of my walkman or something and i had to buy it again and it was such a weird thing because there was only really one song on it i liked so think about that yep. i mean cassettes weren't cheap i mean it was like 15 bucks or something i think for the for a soundtrack i think back then 
So I'd buy it twice. Well, and you, you point out one of the downsides of cassettes, right? Which was if I was listening to vinyl, you know, I get done with side B, I just go back to the beginning of side B and start over again, right? You know, mm-hmm. the cassette, you had to rewind it. And, and so it was only a matter of time before CDs would starts really in the early to mid nineties when the CD really, I mean, the CD has been around before then, but when the CD really takes off, you know, it was only a matter of time before cassettes would be replaced by CDs. Now I remember the mid nineties, the big thing was as we started to get into CDs that you couldn't record on a CD back then, right? They didn't have home recording devices in, in mass production where you could record on a CD and then by the 2000s, that really, you know, they developed that idea and or they made it they made it ma- available to mass markets. So there was sort of this trade off, right, of, OK, well, if I get a CD, I can go wherever I want, whenever I want on that CD, you know, and I can take it with me. Now, early car technology was really susceptible to bouncing. Right. So you'd hit a bump and your, your CD would skip. So there there were certain bugs that had to get out of the system that we don't really experience today, of course, today, I mean, that we didn't experience by the 2000s. Now, of course, today, you know, I mean, even CDs are, you know, sort of the thing of the past now. Um, I mean, I still have some and, you know, they're certainly out there, but but listening to everything digital is really replacing them. But, um, you know, in the mid 90s, that was that that sort of trade off of, well, do I take the stuff that I can record all on myself, you know, because I couldn't do a mixtape CD back then yet, or you know, do I want the availability to just play whatever I wanted? So like you said, you know, if I was listening to Hysteria and that's what I was going to listen to, I can just take that in the car because if I want to skip around and I want to listen to to pour some sugar on me three times, I just do it, right? You know, and and that was that was a, a vital part of that experience. And that's that trade-offs. As we switch from medium to medium, um, you get those trade-offs. And so you mentioned uh, cas- cassette singles, or they, tr- they tried to abbreviate it. Do you remember that? They called it the single, right? So, and, and the wording I never, quite you don't rem- see it. That's it. It never even quite took, but they re- they tried. There was a, there was an attempt to, 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 to call it, to shorten it into the single. Maybe cassette singles. And so you said we, we had them, you bought them, I bought them, we had them, but they, they always sort of lacked uh, some of the stature that the old 45 had. And so, like you said, today um, people talk about, you know, all anybody listens to is singles. Well, you know, that's actually how pop music started in the late fifties, mm-hmm. right? You know, that it got started that way. And then in the sixties, they moved to the more album concept that lasted for a number of decades. And then, you know, more recently we've seen more of a movement back to the, 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 the focus on singles. So, yeah. you know, when folks make that argument, I'm like, well, actually, right. But, but the, yeah, the cassette single was part of that, but in some ways it never quite had, the stature of the 45 back in the fifties and sixties. Um, and I think that's partly how albums were made and how they were marketed and, and, you know, and part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And you just mentioned something interesting and I looked it up and I, I was surprised that last year through the pandemic, according, you know, out of the UK that there were mm-hmm. 156,000 cassettes sold. And that's, like a 94% increase on 2019 sales and icons like Lady Gaga and Dua Lipa were rushing their singles out on cassette and they were selling out and looking into that, I was like, why is that? And 
I, it seems as though it's because they're cheap to do that. And there's this, you know, it's cheaper than vinyl. You know, we always mm-hmm. do the mm-hmm. same thing in the past. You know, it's, you, it's cheaper than vinyl. And there's that nostalgia of, I just want something physical. You know, I want to be able to, to, to hold on to something. And I wonder if this latest surge, you know, we've seen the resurgence of vinyl and who knows if it's going to happen to CDs, but it just makes me think it's like, well, you know, that's kind of fitting that cassettes mm-hmm. increased and we just lost the, you know, the creator yeah. of cassettes. Well, yeah, it, 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 that is, it's in, and again, that's how it's, it's weird how this stuff all kinds to comes to a confluence, right. In our experience. I think back to when you were talking, I think back to when we did the podcast where uh, Jose Diaz was on with us and, you know, he, you know, he talked about vinyl and why people collect vinyl. And one of the things he compared about it that made it really make sense to me was that feeling of holding a book, right? That, you know, when you're holding a book, it's different from like reading it off of a computer or a tablet or something, right? And that's why even like the old Barnes and Noble Nook or stuff like that, they, they really tried to resemble a book because there's a certain feel there. And same thing with music, right? There's, there's something about being able to hold that cassette or even hold that CD, that when I have digital music, yeah, I can listen to it. I can take it wherever I can do whatever, but I can't feel it. Right. I, I don't have that tangible. I've got this in my hand feeling that goes with that. And it makes me think back even to one of the things that when I think about cassettes and I shared on tunes, mate, when, when Lou Ottens died, my most vivid memory was those, those Memorex tapes taping off of the top 40. But the other thing that comes to mind and do you remember when, when you know when we first met 30 years ago and we had our, our room in the in the residence hall at campus my wall of tapes oh i do remember my wall of tapes yeah right i mean you know like five years later it was a wall of cds right when i went you know when i was in graduate school and later on i when i you know when i had when i collected when i got into cds and i got the cd player and all that but it, but in 1991-92 that was a wall of tapes and i actually had you know i had tons of tapes I think at one point I had them two rows deep because, you know, there's so many of them. And that was a whole shelf in our, our residence hall room. And that was part of the, the, that tangible feel of it. Not just that tangible feel of I can carry this, but the, the mm-hmm. tangible feel of you walk in. And, and again, this was something people did with albums. It was something people did with CDs. You could walk into somebody's room and there was their music collection. And you could look through it and go, oh, okay, I can get a sense of who you are, right? by looking at this and when everything's digital you don't get that no you don't get it at all and i mean you can look at someone's spotify playlist maybe or if they've got a list out there maybe. or something but it it is right but you don't get that when you like walk into their house you have to yeah, you know, you'd have find to that find online, online or, right? or get a read yeah. of it and that does remind me of a favorite site of mine that went away many years ago but I believe it was called like mixtape or something, mixtape.com. But it was mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. put up your favorite mixes and you get a profile and you type in your favorite mixtapes or whatever you had. But I used to go on there just to get some ideas of some, you know, sets or, you know, music collections I can put together. But you would still have to go there and you'd have to search for it. And it's still, mm-hmm. it's still you know, out there and it's not connected to you. So I can see why there is a resurgence in this. And I think it's, it's going to be a continual battle as you are a human that 
you want some things that you can look at and, and just is, isn't always going to be digital. And I wonder as we move forward, if that will just be a, I don't want to call it a movement, but more of a personal choice. If you'll definitely see some people that are like, no, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm more of a, you know, an analog kind of person or, or a physical person rather than a digital. And I, I don't know how that's going to shake out, but you could definitely see that is a thing. You know, as you talk about that, it makes me think, I think, it, I think you're right there in the same way that vinyl is like a style, right? It's a, you know, like you said, it movements to probably too strong of a word, but it's a style, right? And there's a certain, you know, if I have certain, certain interests and, and uh, identities maybe that play into that. And so it, it's a particular style that people um, connect to. And certainly in, in cultural studies, we, we look a lot at style and uh, the H- Dick Hebdige wrote the book on it 40, 40 some years ago. It talks about in terms of subculture, right? That style, the meaning, you know, the meaning of culture and the, the meaning of subculture here, the idea of we have these subcultures of, of different musical genres while we also have subcultures of musical media. So, you know, there, there's going to be probably a group. And I think you're, you, you mentioned it when you mentioned that rise in cassette sales, that part of this is the nostalgia that there's a nostalgia to the idea of a mixtape, the idea of listening to cassettes. We saw this. Look at Guardians of the Galaxy, the two Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. movies. They played on the idea of the mixtape. Now they were, you know, they were they were playing off of nostalgia for the 1970s and 1980s, and the music on there is from that time period. And very much the interest there was based off of a a sense of nostalgia. And so we're going to market the music as a mixtape and it's, you know, it's his mixtape and that's what he listens to. And, and so you listen to these songs and there were songs on there that, you know, I never had gotten into quite as much before, but now, you know, when, then I listened to it and, you know, I'm into this song Ooga more than chaka. I ever was Ooga, before. Ooga, and Ooga yeah, that, <laughs> that's exactly the one that comes to mind. I, I, I sing that song more than I song more than I ever have in my life because of that movie. And I think you mentioned the cassette sales, uh, the two artists you mentioned that you, you shared with me about this, uh, that it mentions Dua Lipa and Lady Gaga. Well, part of both of their, and they also mentioned the 1975, yeah. and I think they're important in here too. You look at all three of those acts, a significant part of their identity is they write contemporary music that connects back to music of the 80s and i can even mm-hmm. go to the 90s right the 80s and 90s you know there was the big one where uh you know lady gaga's song sounded just like madonna's express yourself right you know dua lipa even um had the song physical last year the 1975 their song one of their latest songs off, the, off their last albums if you're too shy let me know I mean, I love that song. I absolutely love that song. And because it sounds like it could have come out in 1987. And so I think that it's interesting to look at these artists because there's a whole set of artists out there whose music is like contemporary take on music from the 70s, 80s and or 90s. And if we think the 80s, those artists are, and that's, you know, sort of the, the 80s were the time period where the cassette was at its height. These are artists who are very much 
uh, right in line with nostalgia. Their music is right in line with nostalgia for that that time period. Yeah. Thinking about what you just said about those particular groups, there's just there's so many more out there that could follow right in line that have that style that we're probably going to see music in that essence. And it made me think about a few years ago, I had been almost five years ago, a friend of mine has a band. It's called McCarthy and the Red Menace. And it's, it's like a surf rock <laughs> sounding band. <laughs> and so I said, yeah, he's like, Hey, do you want to you know, buy my new album? I said, sure. So I brought in the, you know, 10 bucks, whatever it was. And I handed it to him and he hands me a cassette. And I was thinking I was going to get a CD or maybe like a download certificate or something. <laughs> and he looked at me, he's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I actually have a cassette player so I can listen to this. But I, I started thinking, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I wonder how many people just take the album and, you know, cause there's, I think with it, there's some kind of QR code or something you can scan to get to the digital. But it's like, I wonder how many people just okay. grab the cassette because it's a cassette and they can put it on their mantle, but they're going to go to the, the digital. Well, I actually you know, took the cellophane wrapper off and I popped it in and I played one of their songs <laughs> at, you know, mini gigs because it, it was it was very kind of, you know, surf rock oriented and it fit in well. And I just started thinking, I was like, you know, I wonder how many people just look at it and go, oh, that's quaint. (laughs) Just stick it on a shelf and (laughs) go to the digital. But maybe it's just like, you know, I also saw, Ray, I don't know if you saw, you know, I know we're going on a lot of tangents here, but I also saw that baseball cards and collectible cards were off the shelf in 2020 as well. So I'm, I'm wondering if there's just this, nostalgia with the current generation that's starting to harken back and just wants more of a physical thing and it's just getting tired of this digital nothingness well and i think you, you, you it's interesting to point to the pandemic um you mentioned baseball cards you know i'm a, i know i'm an old baseball card collector and for for years i have not been into it and this past couple months i've gotten back wow. into it I, and i realized part of it is um just the act of sorting baseball cards right the the feel and it's like a, it's like my uh, one of my uh sort of mindless activities to sort of you know just my my head's going wacky and i need something just to have a de-stressor or whatever and i, I noticed one of the things that i think is happening the pandemic is i've noticed it my wife's noticed it uh, some other folks have talked to noticed it the idea that we're starting to hark back to our childhoods a little bit because it's like we need something to you know we need something to hold on to, you know, uh, we need a melon camp here. I got to help I got a base. Everybody needs a baseball card to hold on to. Right. You know, you know, we, we need something to just kind of something physical there to, to really sort of make things feel real in this world. Yeah, that now feels more than so ever real right now. And so I think, I think we're into it. yep. Yeah. Now more than ever. Yeah. But let's not get started. We know the, you know, we know how that goes. You know, trying we, to get we check, started. If, was, if you check it trying. out, you'll see where we're going. Well, check it out. We'll find out. You're starting it. <laughs> and it's been a wild night, Ray. No, we do got to end this thing because we are, you know, we're, we're getting to our time limit here. And if we keep this going, uh, you're so good. You know, just, uh, <laughs> well, I ain't even done with the night. Well, so, you're making you know, me feel like a scarecrow stop. here. All right, we better put a cap on it. <laughs> I'm going to go up like paper and fire. <laughs> like a cherry bomb. That's what happened yeah, to Jack I think and I had Diane, a couple cassettes man. still of um, 
good old Mellencamp, even when he was Johnny Cougar. He was an American fool, man. But yeah, this is this is what music does, right? This is what Tunes Mate's all about. We listen to music, yeah, we, we get off on tangents, like you know, coming up with John Mellencamp. That's right, and we come up with John Mellencamp songs. He comes this little no, key western that we go through. There you go. Yeah, I saw you first. Yeah, <laughs> so easy to keep it going. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, you know, that's what we do on Tunes Mate. So, um, well, yeah. I mean, cassettes yeah. to me, Ray, were part of my upbringing and i'm saddened to see the creator of cassettes pass away but the good news is i think the legacy is going to live on at least it's living on over the last year and if artists that are popular now are still promoting cassettes as a way to get their message out there i think they're going to live on yeah well and at the very least even if folks aren't buying them, you know, they they have a spot in American popular culture history. You know, we're, we're going to remember that in the eighties and to some degree, the seventies and the nineties, but certainly in the eighties, they were the dominant medium by which we listened to pop music. And so, you know, going forward at the very least, they're always going to be remembered as a significant step in yeah. pop music. And like we said at the onset with tunes, mate, we're going to reflect back. We're going to keep your toe in the sand when it comes to pop culture and referencing back to music that makes you smile, makes you inspired. And, and that's the goal here. You know, whatever you're listening to cassette, vinyl, CDs, mini disc, eight track. I mean, there's so many ways, you know, we want to continue to inspire. So we're going to, keep posting songs out there we're going to keep trying to keep you you know in the loop on the latest and greatest and and look back and whenever you do it's five years ago i just go i i I can't believe that was five years ago and i can't remember what there was one you just posted uh cake by the ocean uh uh, stressed out by 21 pilots a few weeks ago did that for me too i was like man that was i wonder how stressed out they are now during you know this whole well, their 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 latest hit is "Level of Concern," so I think that they're still pretty stressed out. Yeah. Well, it's been a good time reflecting <laughs> back on cassettes. Make sure yeah. to follow us on Tunes Mate all the ways that you can. Subscribe to the blog. Follow our podcast, whatever podcast service you use: Google, Spotify. They're all out there. We're on all of them. So follow us. Continue to be inspired. And the next time you, you see a cassette, think about the power of cassette. And maybe you might want to purchase a cassette of your your, your favorite current artist. Oh, cassettes are making me all gushy here, Ray. So without further ado, thank you for joining us. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. Coming to you live from our pink houses. And we will see you next time. <laughs>